Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, folks. We are back. Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, Irfan Manji, to bring you, well, another week of sports talk. We got a lot to talk about, by the way, folks, so bear with us, but let's introduce the boys. Kyle, how are you doing today, man? Doing good. Doing good. I'm ready to talk some more sports. That's what I like to hear. Irfan, how are you doing, buddy? Great. It's Saturday, the usual. Hold up safely in Ottawa somewhere. <laughs> yeah, refusing to leave the house is where we're at. <laughs> I don't blame you. Stay safe. Um, as I said, we got a lot to talk about. The NBA All-Star Game is this weekend. We got some Olympic conversations, uh, both figure skating and hockey. But let's start with our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrara brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and they want to take your special teams game to the next level. If you want more information, visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And boys, we're starting with the NFL Super Bowl weekend was last weekend. We had a very entertaining game between the Rams and the Bengals. Lots of storylines to talk about. Um, Joe Burrow almost getting his knee destroyed. OBJ leaving the game due to injury. Aaron Donald having a phenomenal game. Matt Stafford getting his Super Bowl. Kyle, it had everything. (laughs) It, it had everything you could possibly want from a, a Super Bowl, to be honest. I mean, you had a fantastic game. You had a fantastic halftime show. You really can't go wrong with watching that game. It was definitely one of those ones where that's exactly what you want. It's, it was basically the complete opposite of that Rams-Patriots Super Bowl where it's, that's everything you don't want. So um, it, it was one of those... The fact that that all happened, it was a fantastic game. Literally came down to a last-minute drive, which is exactly what I was hoping for. Um, it was perfect. You can't, can't go wrong with it. So, Irfan, what were your thoughts on the game? Good. I mean, for being a neutral for the first time in a few years, that was nice. <laughs> Just joking. Just sure. Joking. joking. Uh, no, it was a good game. I mean, a lot of – like, I think both teams had enough – chances to actually pull it and win this game i thought you know not everyone was strong defensively or strong offensively it's just great moments by both both sides to, to get a win so i was pretty impressed with the level of compete it was really nice to see joe burrow play well um like you mentioned at the top the the almost you know destroying his leg was a little tough to see um that's that but scared me yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous how the Bengals' defense did not protect him for most of the game. Like, what was it, 19 sacks through the whole playoffs yeah. or something like that? Like, that's just a ridiculous thing. Like, you're, that, I think that's one thing the Bengals need to concern themselves with the offseason. I know that's not what the Super Bowl was about, but, I mean, that was the biggest thing that kind of stood out there was, are you yeah. kidding me? Like, how are people getting to your quarterback and your young quarterback who missed most of the year with an injury last season? So, I... That was, that well, was, that was and, and to be honest, it did come down to offensive line because 
if you actually, I don't know if you guys saw the actual last play, Jamar Chase absolutely burned Jalen Ramsey yep. and was wide open by probably 15 yards. And if Joe Burrow had two more seconds to throw, Bengals win on, on a touchdown, basically. 100%. Because he was wide open. It wasn't even close. It was the record for number of sacks in a single postseason against a single quarterback. And, like, and it, not even and it, close. And it broke the Titans record that the, they set two weeks earlier, wasn't it? Or three weeks earlier? No, 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 no. The Titans, the Titans sacked him nine times. Oh, okay. Um, no, I'm saying single postseason. Oh, okay. He was sacked yeah, 19 yeah. times. The record before this was 14. Yeah. Like, so it's not like he beat up by one. They yeah. gave up five more sacks than any other offensive line in a postseason ever. Like, that's not good enough. And if you're the no, Bengals, your first three draft picks are all offensive linemen. I, see, I, I don't know about that, to be honest. I think one will be. I think the first-round pick will be for sure. But I think they have to address it in free agency. I don't think this is the type of team that is going to rely on a rookie tackle. Right. I think I think this is the type of team that needs to get a younger 27-year-old guy or whatever who's been there in the league a couple times but, you know, is dependable, who can do your, you know, can be your left tackle and block his blind side. You know who you know, would be I a look- nice addition to that that team? And I know he might not be playing next year. He's trying to decide on his future. But what about uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif? He'd be a nice addition to that for that offensive line. Yeah, wasn't he playing guard, though? Honestly, they need all the help they can get right now. No, I, I'm saying the, big, the biggest needs for me on that line is the tackles. They yeah. have to replace the tackles. Fair enough. And, I mean, uh, I think... So Riley Reef was playing for them, I think, a bit, and he's he didn't yeah, really do great. Everybody so, playing for, at that point. So, they? Um, to me, I look at if you want a true upgrade, you look at Toronto Armstead, best tackle out there right now. Yep. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but at the same in. time, you can you sorry, uh, you can bring a guys in now because they they see the capacity of this, yeah. this Bengals team, and I think that's that's your biggest sell is look what Burrow can do. Imagine if you protect them better, and we win that game. And honestly, like, I don't see many other huge holes in that roster. Like, yeah, they can improve on the defensive a little bit. Maybe the the defensive line, maybe a little bit in the secondary. Their offensive skill positions, they don't need a whole lot, right? Like, they're pretty set at the skill positions, which is the hardest positions to usually fill. So... The holes are small other than that offensive line. You shore up that offensive line, this Bengals team is scary. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the biggest outlier to me is that the corner spot. That's the biggest thing because they're losing, yeah. I think, six corners to free agency. Right. So, and how many come back? How many go somewhere else? Like, there's there's questions, obviously. I'm not saying there's no other questions no. other than the offensive line. No, but, line but to be honest, other than corner, I don't think – I think linebacker, they're set. I think uh, Wilson – Showed he's truly a sideline sideline linebacker. Yep. They do have uh, is it Injobu or I can't remember his name. The defensive tackle who was a free agency at the resign him obviously, but I mean he he was a key piece of that defensive line to stopping that run game because the Rams had zero run game in that in that Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, it's one of those. I, I think if you shore up the corner spots a little bit, and I, I hear that Malcolm Butler apparently got released off the retired list, so he might be coming back. Does he potentially go to Cincinnati? It could be a good opportunity, maybe you know, run back for a Super Bowl, and you potentially get a number one corner for 
probably not very much. So that's true. And there's there's tons of possibilities. Obviously, we'll we'll get into the free agency and stuff after the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's turn our attention a little bit to the Rams. We've talked a lot about the Bengals. Let's go to the Rams side and like honestly, watching them celebrate was like tear jerking at some points. Like Aaron Donald with his kids in the confetti was adorable. Uh, Matt Stafford, same thing, like seeing him with his wife, seeing him with his family after everything that family has gone through. Um, obviously his wife with, uh, the diagnosis and fighting that coming out up better on the other side, Stafford having to deal with the Detroit lions for 12 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like it was kind of just heartwarming to see them after right or fun. Very much so. I mean, we talked about it last Saturday where if it was the conversation between elite and, and you know, great top tier, maybe we should pose this question to Kyle after, but yes. um, it, it was really nice to see how, you know, a guy who struggled in Detroit, what do you give, what, what happens when you give him, you know, decent wide receivers and tight ends and, and struggle Holy is crap. a very loose term. He actually had a lot of success in Detroit. Right, but I'm just saying that the Lions collectively weren't a team that you, you look on paper and no. you go, eh, you guys don't really scare me. Maybe, you know, in their division, teams were, you know, weary of them because they understood how good yeah. Stafford was. But aside from their division, you you probably be like, ah, it's the Lions. What are you going to do, you know? Um, but now you give him, you know, Cup, you give him OBJ, you Give them all these different weapons, acres on a run game, even though the run game wasn't very good. But you know what I mean? Like you give them all these good players and they're capable of winning it. So, I mean, if he retires now, I mean, I take, I'd be very happy for him. But if he continues mm-hmm. it back, it'd be interesting to see if he can double up. Yeah. I, I don't think he retires personally, mm-hmm. but it's possible. Obviously he's on a team that can actually win the Super Bowl. <laughs> He's going to milk the shit out of it if he can. He's going to be like, all right, we're going to win. Done. No problem. I'll stay here. Yeah. Oh, wait, everybody's leaving? Okay, I'm gone. Exactly. It depends on who they re-sign. If OBJ he's got another, and he's got another year under contract anyways. So. Yeah. But if OBJ and Miller re-signs, he does not retire. If they don't, and the question marks are starting to arise, maybe he goes out on top. But I don't, I don't see it happening. I think the Rams are going to re-sign most of their guys and, and try well, to run I mean, it back. We'll see what happens with Donald. I think that's the biggest question. Well, um, Donald already said, if you re-sign OBJ and Von Miller, I'm back. So there's your answer. You 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 have the you have the formula to bring Donald back. It's very simple. Well, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see you know what money that is because they don't have a whole lot of cap space. So right. um, it's going to be come down to dollar value versus actual value. So um, love to see what goes on with that. I mean. I, I said this before the Super Bowl. I think this was the one, one of the few Super Bowls I didn't care who won. Yeah, I mean, we said that it, last was, it, it was it was one of those ones where it's like if either team wins, good for them. You know, if Cincinnati wins, first time in franchise history, congrats. Right? If the Rams win, finally Stafford got out of Detroit, wins in his first year out of Detroit. Funny how that works. So, um, it's like, and then OBJ, obviously everything that went on with him. You know, congrats on the win. Like I, I had no problem with either team winning. So. I think it's one of the few times where it's like, hey, I have no issue, can, you know, celebrate the Super Bowl, no problem, like that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I will say this, McVay called a terrible game, and the Rams probably should have lost that game, but um, that's a different story. Um, I want to talk touch on OBJ quickly. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then Irfan, you can pose that question to Kyle that we asked last week. Sure. But that was tough to watch. After everything mm-hmm. that he has gone through, after dealing with the circus that was the New York media and then going to Cleveland and having all of this put on him that they were struggling when it, it looks like it wasn't his fault necessarily. Um, and then going to the Rams, having so much success, getting to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and halfway through, what was it, the first quarter or the second quarter? I think it was the second uh, quarter. First half, regardless. Um, yeah. He goes down on a non-contact injury, torn ACL. And when he came back out onto the sidelines in street clothes, you could see that he had been like just destroyed in the locker room crying everything right like that is hard to watch to see him celebrate was great do you think the rams bring him back next year we have dexy 65 in the comments saying that he won't be back because he's going to miss the whole year with the torn acl he's going to miss time obviously there's no doubt about it but if he will play at some point next year which i i do think he will acl returns are usually about nine months now for these elite athletes yeah. In like the NBA, NHL, NFL. Um, yeah, he, he, he won't miss the whole season. To be honest, he'll be probably back by middle of the season. Um, I would say October. Which is week seven, week eight, which is literally... Depends on when in October, but yeah. Yeah. So so to me, I would say that do re-sign him. Um, my biggest thing is, is he okay with being the number three option? I guess that's my biggest thing. Because Robert Woods is coming back and he is the number two option and Robert Woods is a, is a superior wide receiver right now to OBJ. And I don't think it's close. So then so. The, the question then becomes like, can they do a 2A, 2B sort of thing depending on the game, right? Depending on what they need. Because they're two different receivers, right? I agree that Robert Woods is probably the better receiver out of the two of them. But some games, they might need somebody like OBJ to open up the game, right? So is it oh, sure. can, can they pitch to him being a 2A, 2B sort of scenario like we see in the NHL all the time with tandem goaltenders. Yeah, I, I think I think the only difference is there is it's not a 1A, 1B, it's a 2A, 2B. Exactly. So somebody, somebody gets that third option, which isn't always ideal because you know Cooper Cup's on the other side and he is going to get the lion's share of yeah, targets. Of course. It's, it's simple as that. So it's going to be one of those, if he, you know, obviously he'll be out for at least have probably half the year with an injury. So it's as long as he, he's okay with coming back and maybe that helps him being the third option when he comes back, because he doesn't have to go all out and be the number two wide receiver. He can take his time, come back slowly and, and do it that way. Maybe that works out better in his favor. And plus probably works out better for in the Rams perspective, because it'll be a cheaper contract because he won't exactly. be playing half the season. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I do think he'll probably will go back. Um, and there's probably a better, potentially better options, but, who knows? on anything you wanted to add on that? Or? Yeah, I think going to the game, I when OBJ made that that touchdown catch, I was like, "Holy shit, is this guy going to be the MVP in this game?" Because like he was like it was running like zaggy, right? Like he was carrying, like he mm-hmm. like uh, I think the Bengals uh, defense had a much harder time when OBJ was on the on the field because then they they were like, "Oh, we can't, we have to, we have to be, pay attention to two really good guys." And they were letting um, him so, go. 
They were, that yeah. was the thing, because they were, they were more scared of what Cooper Cup could do and then realized that OBJ was actually having a good game. Yeah, and so, like, up until, you know, his injury, when he was about to, you know, whatever, I was like, holy crap, is this guy going to be MVP? And he was on his way to probably being one of the most valuable players in the game. Um, Absolutely. Right? So, but in, in terms of offseason, I mean, I wonder where his actual – like what team he fits in well with. Like we saw like, yeah, in a, in a short sample, he was good with the Rams, but we also saw that in Cleveland where he was good for a little while. And then, you know, things went bad or in New York when, you know, things were good for a while and then things went bad. So is this a trend or is he just in a different environment? So, I mean, I'd keep an eye out for that. And I think the Rams have the upper hand in any sort of negotiation if they decide to keep him. you know, that, yep. that you know, we're going to let you come back, you know, let's say week 10, because that's, uh, give you time to get back into week 10 uh, you know work your knee in whatever 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 and you yep. don't have to be the biggest guy there and you just proved to us that you you're a teammate so yep. I, I mean i, I like to see him come back and and, and you know play well because he's a very good player it's just you know it's that trend we talk about a lot of athletes currently who are you know great talents but then they have that attitude thing or they they don't gel with the team very well and you know talk about james harden is what i'm thinking of when i say that but yeah. You know what I mean? Or Ben Simmons. Are you... <laughs> I was going to say the two people that just got traded for each other. Yeah, basically. But so I, I'm wishing him the best. I want him to, I want to see him come back because he was, he was at high level when he was before the injury. Mm-hmm. It also amazes me. So he only played eight games for the Rams, right? Mm-hmm. I think regular season games for the Rams. He had five touchdowns. which is great. Good mm-hmm. production. He was averaging 38 point one yard per game. I think he had a couple, like, zero-yard games, basically. Yep. In Cleveland, he only had seven touchdowns in 29 regular season games. Mm -hmm. Like, that just shows you that there's something wrong in Cleveland, right? I know I'm getting off topic. Just there's something wrong with either the scheme or something didn't work for OBJ. Well, I think there's two. I think there's two things. One, Cleveland is ninety percent run, so there's right. that. Um, two, two. Matt Stafford's a much better quarterback than Baker Mayfield is. Yeah, so there's that as well. And I think it's one of those. The other third thing is OBJ was not the number one option in on the LA Rams. Right. So he gets open a lot more. Faces the second corner a lot That's more. True. Compared to Cleveland, where it was him and Jarvis Landry, and who are you going to cover out of him and Jarvis Landry? You're going to cover OBJ. So you're going to get a lot of double teams. He's going to get a lot of To be honest, I really don't think it does. <laughs> if, if, I, if I'm looking, I'm letting Jarvis Landry torch me if that's the case. I'm not letting OBJ torch me. Okay. Uh, it's it's going to be one of those. He's going to face a lot of double teams, going to face a lot of, you know, um, cover, cover, or over top coverages and like all that kind of stuff. Like if you're going to let OBJ win, it's on 15 yard routes, not 35 yard routes. All right, Irfan, quickly throw the question to Kyle. Um, so last week we talked about whether or not Matthew Stafford is considered an elite quarterback. Nick says, yes, I say maybe top tier, not elite. What are your thoughts? And when we say elite, what level are we putting them? Are we putting on par with Mahomes and Josh Allen? Um, well, not them, but I think he was saying more so, let's say the Drew Brees era, right? Like the, like the guys the in that era, era that he was dominated. Yeah. If, if that was the case, then he, then he's the level just below that. 
I, I would say, I would say, if you look at his stats, he everything he did with the Rams this year, he was doing with Detroit anyways. There was yeah. no difference in the stats. But in saying that, I think Breeze, Manning, Brady, Rogers, all that kind of stuff were on a different level compared to him. And maybe it was just purely success. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but to me, it was it was those four or five, and then it was you know to me then it was like Stafford, Roethlisberger, um, like those type of quarterbacks where it was they're putting up stats and they might have great years, but they're not on the same level as the other guys. Is my personal opinion. Okay, and the reason that I said that I do think he could be an elite quarterback when all is said and done is because in four less seasons, but let's say one full season as a starter, Matt Stafford has only 6,000 yards less than Aaron Rodgers in their careers. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking just pure stats and that kind of stuff, he's 12th all time in passing. Oh, no, I'm I'm saying could he be there? Yes. But is he there? No. Okay, fair enough. That's fair. I, th- I think uh, I think I think adding the Super Bowl puts him a step ahead of other people. I would say that. Like, we're saying he's better than Eli, right? It, yeah, I would, as a quarterback, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously Eli has two Super Bowls, so there's that on right. his resume. But. but I'm saying as a quarterback, as an elite yeah. skilled quarterback, yeah, Matt Stafford is ahead of Eli Manning, right? I would yeah. say so. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. That's that was my point. Because people put Eli, Eli's top 10 all time in passing yards. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. But I mean, if if we're talking about the era, we're talking about, to me, there's four names that stand out. And even then, I would, like, if we're talking regular season, Rodgers would be in there. If we're talking playoffs, Rodgers would not be in my top three. Right. So, um, to me, to me, it's Brady, Manning, Breeze as my top three. And then Rodgers, I think, fourth. And then... Yeah, and then and then I would say if we're talking top five, I would say Stafford has a shot to be a number five. That's that's all I needed as proof. Thank you. Um, quickly thoughts on the halftime show because I thought it was incredible. It was fun to watch, and I know it was a little bit nostalgia for our era, who grew up kind of at the end of the. Snoop and Dre and into the Eminem and stuff like that. Like that, that was us, mm-hmm. but man, it was fun to watch. Right. Or fun. So you guys are going to hate me. I like changed the channel to watch curling during the halftime show. Cause, <laughs> cause I think the Japanese women were playing and they were having a hell of a tournament. So I was like, Oh, I want to go watch them play, but I didn't watch it. So I will <laughs> bar myself away from, from an opinion. I just heard it was very good and that it was better than Prince. And I don't know if I, I don't know about that. that. I'm not going to say it was better than Prince. It was comparable to Prince for sure. Hmm. We're Uh, recording this, right? No, of course being recorded. Yes. Yeah. Can we post that clip later on saying he left the halftime show to go watch? It will be the promo. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't want I wouldn't watch curling if I had a chance to watch grass grow instead. So, um, <laughs> oh, hey, now, okay, a little bit that's, too far there. No, it's really not. It's quite an honest statement. I hate watching curling. It's boring as hell. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I want to go watch a rock go to th- throw down ice, I'll go do it in my driveway. So, um, Today. yeah. So, I mean, 
add, hey, to each their own. I'm not going to say anything, but Jesus. You did um, already. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I went on my rant. Um, no, to be honest, it, it was a great halftime show. I kind of wish there, that I kind of wish like Eminem did a couple more, like one more song. Like yeah. the fact they only one song each to me kind of was like, eh. But they needed I mean, to each do like two or three, and then it would have been incredible, but it would have been like. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Mary J. Blige did her one song. 50 did his one song. They're they're good. I don't need anything else from them. But they could have um, still done. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes, those guys could have done one and been fine. But had they all done two or three, it would have been incredible still. Like, oh, 100%. No, I, I, I think, I think to be honest, if, if they had five, ten more minutes, I think that would have gone down probably as one of the best Super Bowl shows ever. I, I think it's still going to be probably, I think it's probably top three. Yeah. I would say. Um. I mean, there is, I think Prince kind of set the precedent of, of that. And I don't think it's really going to be touched unless there's, I mean, I did see this thing that if you have Shania Twain go and do the halftime show and the first song is Let's Go Girls, every single person watching football <laughs> and in the stadium will go nuts. And that could be close to where Prince is. We'll see. But I mean, that's, that's a different story. But the other um, thing is... But no, like- it was, it was, the only thing I want to add about the Prince one is like everything happened perfectly. 100%. It was raining. He sang purple rain in yeah. Minnesota. Like you can't beat that. <laughs> no, all the, all the boxes were checked. You're good. So yeah. Anyways, I'll let you finish. But no, but no, in saying that it was a great halftime show. I mean, I, I can't complain about it. I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, I was singing along to all the songs cause that was, basically like my childhood songs. So, um, and, and it was one of those, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, as I said before, it was a fantastic Super Bowl, fantastic halftime show. Can't go wrong. Dexy agrees with you, by the way, they say uh, yeah. best halftime show in at least a decade. Oh, for sure. And they said, well said to what you said about it as well. So mm-hmm. well done, Kyle. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, that'll do it for our kickoff segment, guys. Uh, if you were looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or on Instagram at canadakickingacademy. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, women's hockey, Canada, gold medalists, all that and more after this. Hey, everyone. This is Irfan Manji from Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. We are an all-soccer podcast hosted by yours truly and Paige Culver. We provide news, analysis, and opinions each episode as well. You can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher and follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Cheers. Nick, Kyle, Irfan, back. Let's get right into the Olympic conversation. And boys, Canada... Gold medalist mm-hmm. again in women's hockey, and honestly, it was the whole tournament Canada dominated. Mm-hmm. But they beat the U.S. 3-2 to take the title back. Irfan, what did you think of the final? Good start by the Canadians. Um, so I didn't watch the game live. I made sure to turn off my notifications so I don't get anything, and I watched the replay the next night after work. Um, I thought... You know, start Canada was good. I thought the U.S. started to pick it up a little bit, end of second, parts of the third. Um, but one thing I'll, I'll say, maybe it's an unpopular opinion here, but all five goals probably shouldn't have gone in. 
Um, they were pretty scrap. I thought they were pretty scrappy. Like uh, Medvedev Poulin's boat shots, like they they took a little bounce. I thought Sarah Nurse did a great job with with setting the screen and then you know beating the goalie. Like I I thought you know the American netminder let in some softies. I also thought like the the first U.S. goal on the rush, they kind of like left the middle of the ice. I think Canada kept doing that throughout the game was like trying to push it to the side, but then not following the the skater in the in the middle of the ice. And then obviously the the second American goal, it's you know, everyone's kind of overloading in front of the net or yeah. crashing the net. So, so I mean, yeah, all five goals, you know, they were scrappy, but I think other than that, it was good hitting. It was good passing. I mean, you kind of see who the elite players on the Canadian national team are, as well as the American national team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pose this question to you guys. If Brianna Decker was healthy, is this a different game? Yes. Not by, not by much. Not by much, no. but it's a different game. Does Canada, Be- still, does Canada still pull out with a yes. 3-2 win if Brandon? You think so? Yeah. Yes. I mean, you, you have to put this into perspective. It's a 3-1 game. U.S. scores with 10 seconds left. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, yes, it shows it's 3-2. It's not really a 3-2 game because right. it, it was a 3-1 game until, like, the goalie didn't have her stick. Kessel smacks the puck when it's already in the goalie and it goes in the net. Like, it's... You know, right. it, it's, it's right. a goal. Don't get me wrong, but um, is is Decker the difference maker there? I don't think. So. I don't know because I think Canada also had a chance to probably put two more in the net, and they didn't. I mean, they had the one goal where it was offside, and it was a blatant offside. But in saying that, it was a nice, nice goal in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had a couple other chances too. So it was one of those. Um, I think this was Canada's to lose. I think. Uh, it would have been Decker would have made a difference, sure, but maybe we're talking about three two with a minute left and not three one. Maybe it's like that's the difference, or or whatever sure. it may be. Sure. So I mean, would they have a chance to go to overtime? I would say yes. I would say probably maybe push it to overtime if she's playing. But I, I think Canada was the better team out there. Yeah. For sure. No, I was just a, it was a curious question because <laughs> I mean, Brianna Decker has been one of the best American players for quite some time. So yep. like, you put an elite player in there. Does it change the game? And, I, and these are all what ifs. I mean, Canada 100%. deservedly won this whole tournament. They were the best team from, you know, prelims into this final game. Um, just the youngsters in this team mixing in with the the veterans, and you see the the love that the the team has with each other, especially during the the gold medal ceremony. You're like, dude, this mm-hmm. is in an, this is the environment that you want to be in because it brings them back the gold. Hundred percent. Yeah, and we're talking about a team who won. Their quarterfinal and semifinal games, 11 nothing and 10-3. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they dominated all the way through. Mm-hmm. And I thought they actually dominated the game against the U.S. I know the shot totals were heavily skewed toward the U.S., but Canada was all over them. Well, first to the puck for maybe 90% of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is a lot of times shots are skewed when you're losing the game, too. And that's the other thing. And how many of those shots, like the U.S. threw 40 shots on Anne-Renee Debian. How many of those were from the outside and not dangerous at all? Like Canada did a great job isolating that center of the ice, as you said, Irfan. They did a good job pushing everyone to the outside. And it worked because Mm -hmm. that's what you want to do. Like that's the whole point. Yeah, no, it was a good game. You you saw a couple of Amanda Kessel shots from weird angles because there's like yeah. nothing to shoot at. You saw uh, Cofield Scoyne, um, you know, doing her thing, and you're like, that's not gonna work. Um, Debian just positionally was really good. 
Um, a bit of controversy. I know you mentioned 11 nothing and 10-3 of scores. There was a Toronto Star writer oh. who said that women's hockey should not be at the Olympics. Um, first of all, idiot. Second of all, what do you guys think of that? They're wrong. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you look at the jump the Japanese team made this year. Chinese team? Chinese team. You, you saw, you know, Sweden and Finland are just getting better every year. Like, the commentators are like, this player was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Look at their stats in their leagues, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Is it, a, is, it a two, is it a two-horse race? So I understand where he's coming from. Don't get me wrong. I understand Earth, it. Lady. Earth. Sorry. Earth. My apologies. Yeah. Um, I understand it. It's a two-horse two race. I get it. There's, and it's not close. I'm sorry. It, it, people can say it's close. It's not close. It's getting much yeah. closer, though. Like, four years ago? Oh, Finland, sh- sure. Finland was there. Canada lost to Finland in the World Championship Two or three years ago was it 2019? Mm-hmm. But it's also it's also one of those. It's it's not that close, and I I get it. But we're also you also can compare it to like the whatever the, the biathlon. It's Norway wins it every year. Are we going to cancel that? Norway comes top three. They get a gold, silver, and a bronze every year. Are we going to cancel that because only one country wins? No, we're not going to do that. It, yeah. It's it's. It's very similar. There's sports that are always dominated by one country or two countries. And it's right. simple as that. It's just, you know, I, I would have said before, you know, could women's ice hockey be what curling is now, where curling was dominated by a couple of countries previously. And now all of a sudden there's other countries that are now competing with it and beating those post champion countries. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance, but it's got a long way to go. And I think in the next couple Olympics, it's still going to be Canada, U.S. most likely for the gold. But I think there'll be a lot other, a lot more teams either in the quarters or playing for the bronze or whatever it may be. Um, and maybe it's not a ten nothing game. Maybe it's a five three game. And all of a sudden, we're talking about, hey, yeah, it was a good game. It was a close game. You know, I mean, it's little steps like that that have to be taken to yeah. prolong the game. But here's yeah, the other I mean, thing. Could- I, I- can I just quickly throw something in there? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, We're yeah. talking about how big the gap is, Kyle, right? Between mm-hmm. Canada, U.S., and then everyone else. The U.S. won both their quarterfinal and semifinal matchups against Czech Republic and Finland 4-1. Mm-hmm. They weren't yeah. winning 12 nothing. They weren't winning mm-hmm. 10 nothing. They weren't no, putting they up double-digit points. Right? Well, the, U- the U.S. struggled through the majority of the tournament. They didn't really blow anybody out. Right. But that's my point, is that like Canada was so dominant in this tournament from start to finish. And yes, mm-hmm. you can take that into account. But this Finnish squad who Canada blew out 11 nothing or something or 11-1 in the first game was very good. And they won bronze. There's a reason for that. They are a good team and they are built to compete. And Oh, I'm I'm not denying that, but are you are you honestly going to say that they're even close to the same on par as US and Canada? No. Not not on par, but they're but not pushing, but not enough US. to cancel the the whole tournament. No, and that, so I'm not saying cancel. Yeah, yeah. I never no, said I cancel. No, tournament, no, no, but no, it's no, one of those, no, no. I'm just saying yeah. going back to the, the start yeah. of the topic. Yeah. No, I, I think I think the biggest thing is when when they're saying cancel a tournament, you could probably have a four or five team tournament and get the same outcome. Right. I think is what he's saying, or she, sorry, she's saying. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah. Um, I think is what they're saying is. is you could have four or five, six teams maybe, and you're going to get the same outcome with the same teams in the quarterfinals, same yeah. teams in the semifinals. And I think that's what they're saying is you don't – it doesn't need to be an Olympic sport because realistically 
there's not a full world of teams that are actually going to be competing at the team at, at the games. That that's what that's what I'm trying. Obviously, I'm yeah, no, 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 no. Devil's advocate I, right now, but no, and that's fine. And I think the argument ends up being is you look at the incremental improvements from every other country. They understand what they need to do. You know, the Canadian the women's team, they spent an entire year together. And now you're hearing, you know, that's the next step for a lot of these European countries to do the exact same thing to build that cohesiveness. So yeah, maybe in four to eight years, we're going to have closer competitions, but mm-hmm. you know, well, I, 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 yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is, is investment. That's the biggest thing. And it's coming like the Finnish national team is investing into women's hockey. So are the Swedes, so are the Japanese now, because they've recognized that it's a sport that a lot of the younger athletes are following. Right. I mean, I'll give you an example, like the U S men's national team and the Mexican national team dominated the gold cup era for how long, like the, mm-hmm. the whole Conca cap. And now you see Canada. Now you see Panama. Now you see El Salvador. Now you see Honduras. Jamaica's playing well with uh, Mikel Antonio out there, but the, like that, that, it took what fifteen years for that to happen. So I can see this happening in women's soccer. It doesn't necessarily say like I'm just really irritated with the, the writer, but it doesn't necessarily say just scrap the sport. It's like but people sit and watch it. People want to see Canada and and the U.S. play in a finals. Like that is that's some juicy stuff, right? Well, and it, it goes back to women's sports as a whole, right? It's like in, in order for them to grow, they have to be invested, and that's the biggest thing. And and it's starting you- exactly. I was gonna say, how do you invest if it's not being shown? Like, how do you how do you rationalize putting money into it if these athletes aren't getting any airtime? They're not being seen by anybody. Like, you have to have a international stage for it to happen. Well, and and that that's the catch twenty two is the biggest yeah. thing is right if they're not getting the airtime and they're not getting you know national broadcasting, who's going to invest? And I think it's going to come down to people investing has got to be either country investing in it themselves or it's got to be somebody who has a, a love for the sport and wants to see it grow and has money yeah. and, and is willing to invest in something like that because you're not going to get people who think of return that are going to invest in this it's just not enough return at the moment that's the biggest thing right i mean but if there's any proof of the numbers watching the gold medal game nbc came for up sure. with that that number of three points something um it's higher than any nhl game this entire year mm. so there is numbers there is viewership i think you're right it's just somebody has to be like let's let's invest it, it can't just be like small pockets of people it has to be at a, and, a bigger yeah. scale and and it's got it's got to be on the on the the league level too it can't just be the national level it's got to be the league level too i mean and i'm not going to get into it right now we can have a chat for another time but the women's leagues have to figure it out and figure out how to come together and actually make a legitimate league rather than two rebel leagues that are, well, we don't have the best players, but we have our players. It's, no, you have to, it literally, you literally just showed the best players playing for each country got record numbers for views. If you have the best players playing for teams, chances are you're going to get more views. Right. Sorry. Just, just simple as that. Well, did you see the numbers? The number of people watching in the U.S. was incredible. Yeah, 100%. So how do you grow the game? You let them play on TV. They, they, have, they have to come together as a group because there's no way somebody's going to support either one of like the, the leagues that are... Yeah, no. They're need, I, that was a topic that I actually wanted to bring up. And I want to know, like, we need to grow the game more at a professional level, not an international yeah. level. The international game is big enough, right? And, and it's growing across 
all of these nations, as we said, Japan, China, huge tournaments, right? The Czech Republic looked very, very good, right? Mm -hmm. Finland, Sweden, obviously, we know what they are, right? Like there was been good progress made at all of the, for all of these teams. Yeah. The international level isn't the biggest concern right now. It's the professional level, especially here in North America, where we have two different leagues. I don't even think you can technically call the Dream Gap Tour a league, right? No, it's it's not. It's it's, it's a, a tour. rebel tournament, basically. It's a tournament. It's a tour, <laughs> right? They're going around like the PGA Tour does. Yeah. It's not a league. And we're now at the point where we have the PHF and the Dream Gap Tour. And they're taking viewership away from each other. And you're mm-hmm. not having the top players play against each other. Uh, right? They're all no, over. And that's a problem. Well, and that's what people want. They want to see the best players go up against the best players. They don't want to see, well, this person has, you know, it's up and coming. It's like, sure, you want to see up and coming players, but you also want to see the best of the best. Yeah. And it's a problem. It's a huge mm. problem. And they yeah. need to get that figured out if they really want to take women's hockey to the next level. They need a centralized North American league as opposed to two opposing leagues at this point. Right, right. And I think that's more of an internal issue right now versus trying to figure out the foundations. Um, But it'll come. I mean, fingers crossed for that. I think it'll come. Just uh, it's taking some time. Fingers crossed because they need it. I think they really do. need. Mm -hmm. I think for, I think, if they have a proper league and they get those air times that Kyle keeps talking about, I could see myself and a lot of other fans just being like, we're waking up for this game. We're watching this game. This is a thing. This is a, a big game. Well, if it's in North America, they can put it at good times and we don't have to wake up early, okay? <laughs> like, you don't have to wake up at 7 a.m. to watch it. Um, but no, I agree. But- like, I could see us just if on like a Thursday, Friday or whatever, just hanging out, watch, putting mm-hmm. the game on and just chilling right like that's mm-hmm. what we do for the nhl now we don't like focus on it all the time it's usually on in the background most of the time for us right and that's yeah. fine that's how sports can be and that's how it should but even, be yeah. but even then for these ones like i feel like you'd actually want to watch them because you don't see it very often the nhl eventually gets boring after a while but like women's hockey you don't see it all the time it's it's something new it's yeah. it's yeah. really to be honest it's something you see every four years at the olympics that's uh, that's the only time you see it yeah. Or the world yeah. championship every other year too, right? Yeah. Like those are that's the only times. Yeah. It's tough. You know when it's not canceled anyway. Uh back to <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Shot. I just I just saw the double IHF president yeah. walk in during the during the, the medal ceremony and I'm like, I don't want to look at you, bro. Well they they announced that the women's uh under eighteen is gonna be played in June and then the men's world juniors is gonna be playing August. So fine, fine. That's positive. Yeah, sure. Um, can we give a little love to uh, Sarah Nurse though for tying Dr. Haley Wickenheiser's record of 17 tournament points? Like that was 100. percent Yeah, absolutely. That was she was incredible. The whole team for the Canadians was just impressive, top to bottom. Everyone contributed. Every single player had a point. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's just impressive. Nurse was incredible. She wasn't even supposed to play on that top line. Boosted up because of Dao's injury, mm-hmm. and then Clark's pull because of an inconclusive test in the one game against the Russians. Because mm. Clark was going to take Dao's spot, but no, the nurse had to be elevated up to that line. 
Uh, Sarah Fillier looked incredible as well. Let's not take that away. Uh, Jamie Lee Rattray, who was supposed to be the 13th forward. I thought she was impressive every time she touched the ice. Blair Turner. Sorry. <laughs> um, shout out to Emma Malte as well. She got her first Olympic go- uh, goal. It was in the semifinal, right? Uh, um, good. A buddy is his, it's his younger sister's Emma Malte. So I got to give him a shout out, Matt. Um, like it was just fun to watch this team. There was no holes. They yeah. were just one through. How many players did they have? 22. 22. I think they had 22 play in a game at some point. So like. Oh, mm-hmm. 22 players. It was just impressive, Irfan. Yeah, I agree. Impressive all the way through. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed with uh, Renata Fast, I have to say. Yes. Super impressed. Yes. Super impressed. Lost. Say, my, my, my favorite to watch was Claire Thompson playing defense for like the first time, basically. Yeah. And all, just going unreal. <laughs> As I said, you can name, literally, you could probably name every single player and say how impressive they were. Yeah. Well, and the yeah, fact like, that Claire Thompson was playing defense in the Olympics when she had not played defense before, it was like, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. You could see her her pace coming back was really good, though. 100%. Like as a as a two hundred foot player, yeah, it was good. Great. The uh, Rock also looked so good on D. And Renee Debian looked incredible. Oh, she looked great in goal. And to think, four years ago, she barely played as the third goaltender for the Canadian team at the Olympics quit for I think over yeah, took, a year took a hiatus for a year yeah. and then came back and now she's the number one yeah like that's just impressive and even Mashmeyer when she was in in the one game she looked really good too mm-hmm. right like there was no holes Laura Stacy we didn't even talk about Laura Stacy she yeah. was incredible right <laughs> you yeah. can't lose Pick a player. You could find positives. It was good. Mm-hmm. Not so positive coming out of the Olympics. We're going to flip over to figure skating quickly, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kamila Valiev of the ROC, the Russians. Uh, it, there's just a huge saga going on right now but around her. The 15-year-old was caught with a banned substance in her system back in December but was allowed mm-hmm. to compete and is still allowed to compete. I want to talk about this first and then get into the the stuff that happened this week. So Irfan, I want to start with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this make sense? Like I know she's under the legal age, so she's a protected person. person. Yeah. The weirdest statement, by the way, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, how is she? I, I'm I'm still struggling to figure out how she's allowed to compete if she has a banned substance in her system. Yes, I understand that she might not have had full control or whatever you want to say about putting it in her system, but I just don't get how it's still allowed then. Yeah, I mean, my thought goes right out to the the Olympic runner. Who, who smoked weed or something yeah. before, and then and then couldn't compete and <clears throat> Shikari, like, well, Shikari Richardson thank you sorry I blanked on the name but 
like I went back to that thinking this week because I kept seeing things pop up and I was like, wait, that's right. That that was something that that athlete wasn't allowed to compete anymore. They were banned uh, over freaking wheat. Sorry, like wheat to me is whatever. It's legal in Canada. It means nothing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're not going to say anything, but it's not a performance enhancing drug. Let's put it that way. Let's just say it slows you down and she's a freaking runner. Like, I don't get it. Um, but but. Let's get back what to the point. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say the only reason that it's considered a performance enhancing drug is because it calms nerves. Fair. It slows you down. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> it, I'm just, it, it, I'm, I'm it answering It calms nerves, but you feel like you're running in jello when you're supposed to be sprinting. So, I mean, right. it's 50 50. Right. Um, so, I'm that part where, that. you know, the, that, that athlete was banned, but like they're giving this one, uh, uh, this athlete a chance and, I understand being protected. I know the coaches and the doctors are being investigated by Russian and anti-world doping agencies, whatever. Yeah. But like, I don't understand how you how you're letting this athlete go. Like, if they're gonna clear her, sure. But it kind of just seems like they don't want trouble, and they're letting her. They're just letting it happen. She didn't win her her individual her individual skate, which was a fourth place finish. Mm-hmm. Struggle there. Um, coach was visibly unhappy. Like, it was not a good scene. But like if you're going to set the precedent for one athlete or many athletes, this is the rule, uh, you know, 15 or not, you know, coach's fault or not, just stop it. Just don't let her play. Cause I think the issue coming into this now is the team events, right guys, the team events, the, 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 the Americans are appealing going, Hey, hold on, hold on. Like this, hey, this was, this is illegal. Mm-hmm. We should technically have gold. I mean, that would give Canada a medal as well. Um, yep. But if you're going to set the precedent at the Summer Olympics and as well as ban most of, you know, the Russian nationals that were competing, that's why they're ROC now, you got to make a step. Like, you got to be like, sorry, I know you're 15. It's your coach's fault or not. Sorry. I'm back in four years. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, I, I get what they're doing because they're like, well, we don't want to ruin a 15 year old's dream. But it's like, sorry, like you, you can't have two precedents based on different Olympic times in the, in the year. If one can't compete for weed and it's a banned substance and one can't compete for a ban or one can compete with a banned substance, something's not adding up. Like that just doesn't make sense. Here's what really bugs me. The substance that she was found in her, that she tests positive for in December. Again, this isn't testing positive after the event. This is in mm-hmm. December is the same or one of the substances that the Russian Olympics committee was banned from Olympics for. Yeah. Right. So you're not letting an entire country fly their flag at the Olympics. They're banned from, was it three? Is it just three? Olympics? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I can't remember how many they're suspended for. But the Russians can't compete as Russians because of this substance. Yeah. And yet she can still skate. Like, I don't get it. I do not understand this, Irfan, at all. Blows my mind. Something's going on. I mean, we might not have all the, the information as to why they haven't pulled the trigger on the athlete. Um, or they're trying to give due process, but... It can't be due process for one person and not for another. That's that's kind of where I'm getting at. And the funny thing is, like, the Russian athletic 
overseers, I guess, whatever the R U S A D A. Yeah. Suspended Valiev when it found out. Yes. For a day. One day. Yeah, because they then appealed they it. Cancelled the suspension. I just don't get it. I, I don't understand the logic behind it. And then we see what happened, I guess it was yesterday or two days ago, where she skated, finished fourth after a not a great um not a great showing. And the whole issue with her the way her coaches reacted and everything brought the this from Thomas Bach from the IOC, his statement was, I must say, I was very, very disturbed yesterday when I watched the competition on TV. He's talking about how the coaches reacted to her, I guess their long program it was, because mm-hmm. she did really well in the short program. Like, that's a yep. big statement from Bach. And now, like, I, I feel really, really bad for Valiev because she's got all of these spotlights on her, right? She's 15 years old. And yes, I don't know if she took the substance knowingly, and I'm not going to... Anytime an athlete is caught with a banned substance, I will give them the benefit of the doubt until proven guilty, right? Like, sometimes it's just in a medication that they were were prescribed or whatever. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that she didn't know for now until we know more. This is a very tough look for the Russian figure skating as a whole. 100%. And I, I don't know what you want to, if you want to add anything to that, but like it's, it is really tough watching all of this and then seeing her coaches just rip her a new one what? after her skate. 100%. And I think, you know, if it truly, if she took it knowingly, which we obviously will never find out because she's a protected person. Um, it, it's, it's one of those, if the coaches are making her do this and then she falters because all of this pressure on her, it's on the coach. It has nothing to do with her. And I feel bad for her. And it's one of those like, but it, it's, it's again, it's one of those things where it's, this can't happen. And it's, you've already, your country, as you said, a country has already dealt with this once. You can't be getting caught with it again. It's simple as that. Uh, and like the crazy thing is that a 17 year old from Russia her teammate, um, mm. I want to get the name right, Alexandra Trusova, 17, is now talking about retirement because of how they reacted after Valieva's um, skate, Irfan. Like that, that's craziness, right? It's that, but also, like, look how young they are. The fact that, you know, you're you're scaring them off at 15 or 17. And, and you know something though, because of the way the, the Olympics I've seen so far work is like, you're able to go to a different country or, and, and compete under their flag. I mean, Humphreys did it for the United States, like Canada to us. So, I mean, and a lot of figure skaters have gone from, you know, Russia to Germany or Germany to France, something like that. So we can see these young athletes retiring from the Russian team or under their flag and, and move to the U S or move to another country. So, I mean, that's still an opportunity, but it's it's just a disheartening to see a 15-year-old getting so much spotlight for something that sounds like a medical condition, in my opinion. And also the 17-year-old coming out and saying that, hey, like, I want to I quit. Like, I want to retire. Like, that's, 
to me, that says something that the culture within the Russian figure skating team is in a lot of figure skating it's, teams. Yeah. Right. It's, it's toxic. There's a bad environment. I mean, you know, uh, I know it's a, a different sport, but you look at the, the, the U.S. gymnastics team, what happens when, when things bottle up, when things come out, when problems come out, like this could be another big, big yep. investigation that's going to come out and say, this is what's been happening. And we're going to be like, holy shit. All right. Yep. yep. You know, I mean, I hope it's not at the same scale as the, the gymnastics USA team, but I can definitely see a lot of stuff coming out. Agreed. We're going to take another quick break here, folks. When we come back, we'll NBA All-Star, and we'll wrap this bad boy up here on Garage Door Sports. Hey, guys. It's producer Jake here from Benning House, the Garage Door Sports Network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast. Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and, of course, picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials, at Betting House Pod, where you can catch all our bets each week, as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. All right, boys. Let's wrap this up with a nice little bow. NBA All-Star Weekend is going on right now, and yesterday we had the Celebrity Challenge and the Rising Stars Challenge. I know neither of you are really, really interested in this, and I totally get it. But did you see Miles Garrett in the celebrity game? I saw the highlights of it. He went off, basically. He went off. I was doing it for work, so I was watching the game all the way through. But man, was he fun to watch. Like He was. He looked like a quarterback from under his own basket, just launching deep Hail Mary passes. And then when he got into the other end, he was dunking on everybody. And also, huge shout out to Tamberi, the uh, Olympic high jumper from Italy, who was very fun to watch in that game. He was everywhere. He dunked twice, I think. Huh. And it was just so much fun to watch her fun. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't watch any of that, but... Um, I'll probably catch the All-Star game. Fair enough. Um, this Rising Stars Challenge also happened last night. Two Toronto Raptors were in the Rising Stars. Scotty Barnes sort of struggled in the little skills challenge that they had. Couldn't hit a shot from five feet. That was bad. It was, it was pretty bad, yeah. Nine points in his uh, semifinal game. His team lost, but nine out of 50 points for his, or 49 points for his team. Uh, he actually looked impressive in the game. But Precious, Precious Achua looked really, really good. Led his team with 12 points in the finals. Um, I think he added another 10 in the, in the semi. Like, he was dominant. And... The Raptors are looking pretty good with their young stars right now. I mean, they they are they are they're on the right track. That's the biggest thing, right? So they're they're looking good. I mean, last night was absolutely embarrassing, and then all of a sudden he steps back another six feet and actually finally hits the shot. <laughs> I'm talking about Scotty Barnes, obviously, but um, that's just yeah, that was just atrocious. Um, but no, I mean the core is there. They look like they're good. They're up and coming. They're still top. 
think they're seventh right now in their in the conference. Um, they're seventh right now, so that that's I mean that, that's perfect. Right? So you can't you can't go wrong with that. Technically, they're still in the play in, but I mean, it is what it is. So w- with saying that, I mean they're on the right track and I, I love the core. That's, that's the biggest thing. Scotty looks great. And, you know, looking back at that draft, I don't know if Scotty was the right pick, but now hundred percent, he was the right pick. I, I wouldn't change that for the, for the world. So um, yeah, difficult showing at the, the rising stars challenge, but uh, well, yeah, wasn't the prettiest. Exactly. Also the worst, worst case scenario, him and his partner, uh, who was it? Um, was it? Oh no, it was Maxie. You're right. Sorry. They went last. Yeah. Like, if they didn't go last, it's probably a non-story, and it doesn't even matter. But the fact that they had to go last after all the other teams went, and then they did that. Yeah. I think they only hit two shots. Well, you already you already know for a fact that in, in practice, that's exactly what Scotty's working on. He's working on the floaters from five feet out. <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, like, I'm interested to see how this All-Star game goes. Wow, you were saying Team LeBron stacked. Sorry, my my dog just my dog just grabbed a mouse from outside. <laughs> my mom's freaking out. Um, Rightfully so. Yeah, t- Team LeBron is absolutely stacked for this All Star game right now. So it's uh, I don't think it's going to be very close, to be honest. Fair enough. All right. Well, boys, let's wrap this one up. Um, do either of you have a tire fire this week? I do. All right, we're going tire fires. First one, start it off. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. That is it. Uh, I don't think he'll be a United player for very long. I do. Um, he's just getting turned inside out, just losing the ball in exactly. long places. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate. For and that's why he'll pass. be a United player for a while because no one else is going to want him. Well, they're going to lose him for like twenty mil or something. I think it's gonna be. I honestly think it's gonna be a free transfer. I don't yeah, think anyone's gonna, gonna get to the money. end of his contract. That, or he'll be a free a Phil Jones and just sit on the bench for the next five years. So he'll be a United player. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's my point. Uh, you're you're not wrong. It's just ugh. It's, now there's an issue, but who's captain? There's rifts in the room. Ah, uh, the mess. The mess. It's, I told you, Ragnick was not the answer. Well, I don't know if it's the manager per se, but I think it's just the different personalities on this on this roster that um, want control but will not get control. I think Ragnet's done a good job with standing down and be like, "No, nah, man, I'm not giving you what you want." I, that's the issue. I think a lot of these some of these players don't have the same leniency they had under Solshire, and I think that's what's catching up to them. Is he the right manager? Probably not. But is, at the end of the day, is there a right manager for the prima donnas on that team? I don't know. No. I, I think go get like a random coach and clean this team out and start fresh. Can you rebuild in soccer? I think so. Well, when uh, you have the when you have the money that United does, you could probably rebuild pretty quickly. Yeah. Did you did you see the stat of how much teams are paying per point in yeah. the Champions League? Yeah. yeah, I saw that in the, in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, that's just embarrassing. Remember, Man United. Uh, yep. Yeah, wait, that would, that could be your tire fire because like, or it could be my collective tire fire. United and Maguire. Well, it it could be the <laughs> fact that Liverpool and Manchester City combined are just over half of what Man United is paying per point. 
it's bad. Yeah, them combined, I think it's like 850K or something like that. And then Man U is paying $1.5 million per point. Yep, it's bad. Which is just astounding. So, I mean... Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you draw against the Burnleys, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I will... Uh, the only thing I will give Ragnick credit for is positionally, the team is playing better than when they were under Solskjaer. Mm-hmm. That's literally all I can give him credit for right now. That's it. Because they're not getting any more points. In fact, I think they're losing more points. But I digress. Kyle, hit us with your tire. Well, I was going to say it's Liverpool, but they just scored two goals in the last three minutes to go up <laughs> on board. Um, can you stop? <laughs> it's, um, it's Cooper. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would have to say, and to, it's kind of a a cop out, but I, to be honest, my tire fire is the whole Russian situation with the doping. It has to be like, to be honest, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be one of those, like we, we've been taught, we talked about this, what, four years ago, four years ago when they originally initially happened? No, it was like eight years ago now. Was it that long ago? It was in Sochi. Yeah. So, I mean, like what, which is actually astounding to think that that was eight years ago. I know it doesn't feel like eight years ago. Um, But it's one of those, like, like, we're, we're having this issue again. It sh- we shouldn't be having this issue. And it seems like it's only one country that seems to be having an issue. So maybe my, maybe my time fire is the entire of Russia. Who knows? On this scale, there's yes. only one country. There's other countries that have smaller issues. Well, and, and with, with, the is- with the issue, apparently, you know, I mean, it's political, but apparently Russia's backed off of the whole Ukraine situation because of this whole issue. And they're all getting world life because they're getting world, uh, world news and they don't want to actually have the public understand what they're doing so that's a whole other story but yes. yeah so the whole russian situation okay fair enough um my tire fire of the week is austin matthews not understanding what a goal post is mm. <laughs> i'm assuming you both saw the video but he was defending against crosby crosby decides to go behind the net matthews has no clue where he is on the ice apparently and skates mouth first into the crossbar <laughs> Loses yep. a tooth, at least one tooth. I think it's only one, but it was brutal. How do you? Okay, Kyle, you you're a defender in hockey. Yep. Yep. Ninety five percent of the time, you know where the net is, right? Yeah. Like, every once in a while, you might forget exactly where it is, but you have a general idea, especially if you're about to go behind it. You know where the net is. Hundred percent. How do you run your mouth into the net? I don't get it. It, like, I don't understand. I, I I don't know to be honest. I really don't know. Irfan, like I just don't understand. I, I think you you've got awareness. I mean, isn't your goalie yelling at you at one point? They're like, net net. I mean, that's what my goalie used to do. Yep. When you're like around the net, you know, like there was no. It felt like there was no conversation. Now. No. That's just funny. Well, even that, like his head was up. It's not like he had his head in his skates or whatever like his head was up you should know where the crossbar is he just wanted to make sure it's still intact that's all it is yeah, yeah he's just sure testing the, the integrity of the goalpost yeah plus it, he's a hockey player he had to lose a tooth at least once in his career all right. yep let's wrap this one up uh kyle you start us off with your final thoughts because clearly you have to deal with cooper yeah, I just let him back out and he grabbed the mouse again, so I got to go out and deal with that. So, 
Um, um, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll go deal with that. So my mother doesn't have to deal with that. Um, but, uh, no final thoughts. Um, fantastic Super Bowl. Um, great Olympics so far, still more to go. Um, it's actually like the first time in a while I've actually legit- legitimately watched some of the Olympics and it's, it's weird because it's on such off hours that I'm actually watching it. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's not as many of my personal sports that are going on right now, but I'm still watching some sports. So I'm happy about it. Fair enough. Irfan? Uh, giving some love to DeMar DeRozan who is the first NBA player to register seven straight games with at least 35 points and 50% shooting. Uh, passes Wilt Chamberlain, which is freaking great. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really happy with the way his season's been going so far. So give some love to DeMar. I like that one. And not to mention, they're tied for first in the East. Who would, ex- who would have expected that from the Bulls? Um, my final thought, I'm just glad we keep getting able to do these shows, guys. I love talking to sports with you guys, so it's it's always fun. Um, and there's a lot to go, lot going on, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about next week as well. So it's a very simple thought, I know, but happy to be doing this. That'll do it for us this week. Make sure you check us out on social media. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel if you want to watch this episode back. Also. Give us a follow, subscribe. Anything that you do will help us out. If you're looking for us on social, it's at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you're looking for us individually, it's at Nick McVicker, at Kyle Vardy, and at Irfan Manji on both. Make sure you check us out. We will be back next week with more sports talk. Until then, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.